Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. What up, Fightful fam, and welcome to 1-2 Punch. Player 1, Shaquille Madjui. Player 2, Nolan the Night King of MMA Junkie. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on today, man. Yeah. Are you a Game of Thrones fan, or did that reference? I am. Go Good. Good. Yes, Good. I am. That cracked me up because I've heard a lot of plays on my name, but I haven't heard that one yet. That's, dude, I spend an obscene and unnecessary amount of time trying to come up with these. Uh, also, there's like <laughs> a du- a double entendre there because I was also thinking about Christopher Nolan, The Dark Knight. I was trying to figure out how many ways I can, you know, chop this up. There you go, man. Yeah, it's been it's been happening to me from a young age. You know, we used to get uh, standardized testing and we'd always have the last name first. You know, I would say if your name was Mike mm-hmm. Jones, it would say Jones Mike. For me, it always said King Nolan. So um, I think that's when I peaked. That was like my coolest. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I had to live with the name that no one, not even myself, can pronounce. But hey, <laughs> let's jump, jump into it. This is One Two Punch where we talk about the week's biggest winners and losers before drawing up a preview for UFC Fight Island 5. Without further ado, I will attempt to hit this animated intro. Bam, there we go. And a quick reminder, everyone, if you want to support what we do here, a subscribe and tap the notification bell goes such a long, long way. And a like on this video never hurts either. We encourage you, as always, hit us up in the chat, questions, comments, whatever you got. We'll try and get to it. If you feel so, so generous today, a donation to the Super Chat never hurts either. That's that. Let's jump right into it with who I think is the week's biggest winner by far. Mike Perry has had a rather unique week in the world of MMA. What do you make of his, uh, for, for those unaware, he took to social media. He said, hey, whoever wants to throw up the most amount of money, I will make you my corner man. Kind of a unique opportunity. If you think about it, that's a front row seat. So there is probably a line somewhere where it's well worth your money to pay up to Mike Perry. What did you think about all the social media attention he got from that? Oh, I thought it was hilarious, man. I mean, uh, it takes two to tango and Darren Till, I think, is the perfect foil for that type of, uh, you know, that type of a uh, uh, an idea from Mike Perry. I think that Mike's obviously not been in the news for the best things recently. So it's been good for him, I think, to, to kind of have a comical back and forth with a guy like Till, who's 
slowly but surely, in my opinion, becoming maybe one of the funniest fighters in UFC history. Um, Rampage Jackson's always been at the top oh, of my yeah. list, but Darren's getting close, man. I mean, he's, he's got a, a very high clip that I smile at his uh, very high percentage of tweets that I get, get a kick out of me and a crack out of me. So, uh, you know, on, on the comical side, it's, it's funny. On the other side, like, could this be something that we see fighters try to do more of? Like, guys that are making 12 and 12, are they going to just be like, hey, like, you know, why not have an extra cornerman? I only have two anyway, so why not make some money from a fan that wants to come do it? Um, not sure how much the UFC, how far the UFC will allow this to go. Yeah. I think that they do have some say in corners. I mean, we've seen in the past, there's been certain individuals that they haven't let corner. You know, I think Randy Couture was infamously one of them with his son. So I guess we'll see what happens and if this comes to fruition. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, if Darren tells in the corner, Mike Perry for the Robbie Lawler fight, man, that's going to be a sideshow within itself. Shout out to Scott Frabe and Joseph Boza. Dedicated listeners appreciate you guys always making it on time, even if I don't. Um, and what I love about these live chats, for nothing else, guys, the more you comment and chat, the more I know that this stream is holding up and I don't need to keep putting this headset to my ear like a donk, as the great Luke Thomas would say. Uh, I think my favorite of all the submissions, we got Scott saying that adult entertainer Kendra Lust, a very notable MMA fan. I've been trying to get her on something for a while, but, you know, I haven't had time to reach out yet. Uh, apparently, she was trying very hard to get the corner spot. Uh, I think my favorite was Cam Soda, the adult site. Uh, they put together quite the pitch. What was your favorite submission entry, whatever you want to call it, from Darren Till to adult entertainers? I mean, Darren's great, but I think Cam Soda. Just just whenever you least expect it, Cam Soda comes back into the MMA uh into the MMA picture. I mean, the event that they had a couple years ago um, was definitely one of the more unique ones I've ever seen. The cage was like, you know, they talk about the big cage and the small cage in the UFC. This was like a micro cage. You know, there was, there's uh, Alex Nicholson, I think, headline. So anytime Cam Soda comes out of the woodworks and puts their spin on things, I get a kick out of it. Just so random. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hilarious, man. Yeah. It, and, you know, there are aspects of the politics of porn that i don't really want to get into on this episode but i will say there are porn companies out there who have their pulse on pop culture i think back to uh kanye west and uh, lil pump debuting their song at the Pornhub awards you have g easy filming an adult version of his music videos with uh, boobs aplenty on Pornhub's website it's it's amusing to me to see the way that porn has started to sort of integrate with more mainstream culture yeah, it is weird, man, you know, and it's like, um, for better or worse, people do, you know, audiences do get interested in this type of stuff. So they know if they send out an email to, you know, a bunch of MMA reporters, like, at minimum, they're going to get their name out there again, and people get a kick out of it for, for better or worse. And uh, yeah, whoever's running the Cam Soda PR is, is doing a good it's job when it comes it. to MMA stuff, because it's an easy, it's a lob down the middle, I think, for a lot of people in this industry. And so last thing on Mike Perry here, uh, I, the thought crossed my mind when I sent out a tweet, but I sent it out anyway, saying that uh, Mike Perry is an unintentional genius. And I had someone clap back at me and say, okay, man, like, why do we not give Mike Perry credit where credit is due uh, for you? And I know there's people saying that uh, Josh Thompson was the one who pitched this to them, that there are other fighters in the past who have done this. But was this Mike Perry being Mike Perry or was this an intentional stroke of genius on his part? Oh, I think it's kind of a combination, you know, it's, it's, it's very tough to tell. And I think that actually we kind of had an internal conversation at MMA junkie um, when he did his last rounds of media where we're like, man, like, you know, 
he says this stuff and it seems like he's in character to a certain extent, but then there's obviously, you know, in my opinion, I think he kind of knows what he's doing too. So I, I do think it's a combination of both. Like, you know, it's almost like his personality allows for him to be so different um, that he sticks out. But at the same time, you know, how much is that an intentional thing versus unintentional? And that's really the debate. So um, regardless, I think that this is the type of publicity that, that Mike probably would want. I think people get a kick out of it. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this is the, 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 you know, the Mike Perry that we see in the headlines from here on out. I hope so. You know, you know, wishing him nothing but the best. Do, you, do we know what happened with Mike Perry in regards to his personal life? Because obviously it was that video that came out of him beating up a bunch of old people. Uh, sorry, at least one old person. Uh, outside of a restaurant, the UFC said something about, uh, you know, supporting him in some sort of anger management program. And then he gets a quick turnaround versus Robbie Lawler. Do we know where he's at? No, I don't think so. You know, and I'm sure that that will be something that comes up uh, during the, the, the <laughs> media rounds for this next fight. Yeah, <laughs> you will love that. So, so uh, it'll be interesting. Will you ask no him? Will you be the one if, to broach if the I'm question? there? If they want to send me to Fight Island and, and, and have me ask, I'll be there. But what I'm sure John... The, yeah. I'm sure John Morgan will definitely that will be something that he brings up first and foremost. Pray so. for John Morgan's. Yeah, yeah, see if he uh, see if he makes it out of Fight Island alive. But um, yeah, man, I, I haven't really heard much else. I know we ran a story a few weeks ago, months at this point. I know 2020 is just a blur, but uh, you know about some other you know his ex wife had filed restraining orders and whatnot. So, um, but that was that was a while ago. So hopefully, one way or another, you know the UFC is doing the right thing by him and, and got him some sort of help, but. I'm sure we'll we'll be asking that in the the, the coming weeks, so to speak. Uh, and a quick shout out to Joseph. He says Mike's personality and his attitude take away from the fact that he is actually a great businessman with what he is doing. Uh, there's definitely, you know, I think part of what makes Mike Perry such an appealing personality is his character, um, his you know deep internal character. But you would hope for his own well being and the well being of other people that he can sort of eliminate some of the more problematic parts of his life, right? Like, well, you know, One. It's, it's a rough product right now. And there's definitely some things he should probably remove from himself so that he can accentuate some of the more interesting, compelling, likable parts of his personality. 100%. And that was kind of the conclusion we came to with this last media rounds because he was saying some stuff that was really far out there and going on these weird tangents yeah. about watching Netflix shows and cartoons and stuff and I was like, oh, like this is, you know, I get a kick out of it. Um, you know, I, I thought I assumed to a, to, you know, a certain degree he was playing it up. Like I was like, oh, there's no way that. But then you see him go out there and start doing some of the, you know, that video was alarming and, and some of the other stuff that's come out. So, uh, you know, it kind of flipped and it was it became kind of scary, you know, in, in terms of man, like who knows, you know, if this guy obviously he has some type of as I think he owned up to some type of, uh, you know, alcohol issue or, or substance abuse. And then also, you know, these guys do get take a lot of damage when they're in there. So who knows? Um, you know, I'm not trying to speculate anything, but it just it would be nice to, to know that he has his, uh, you know, somebody's looking out for his health one way or another and, and that this can be a problem that is, you know, fixed going forward. Um, do you have any actually before we get to it real quick? I always forget off the top. You guys know this by now. We have a drink of the week. Nolan, pick some coffee. Do you have your coffee? Good, sir. I do. Thank you. Fresh yep, from just, my girlfriend's thermos because I there you don't go. have any I just, of my own things. There you go. I just took a little stroll down to uh, Remnant Brewing Company in Somerville, Massachusetts. They have great coffee, great beer. So, so on that uh, note, I, just, I was I, – I, tell me, is this a professional decision that we didn't do a craft beer on camera? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was like this close to doing it. I, I, I should have pulled the trigger, but 
Um, you know, next time I'm on, man, I'll make this promise to you now. Okay. Next time that I'm on, we'll go with some craft beer. No one wants to drink on the job, but I think everyone forgets that it's MMA. <laughs> exactly, man. Every, I think everybody wants to drink on the job, but they surprisingly have self-restraint. So uh, next time I'll throw restraint out the window and we'll get it done. I would love to one day incriminate myself by sharing some of the conditions I've been at while working remotely from home where no one can see what's going on. <laughs> but, you know, that is something yep. for the book 40 years in the future. There you <laughs> go, man. Uh, do you have any big winners of the week you would like to highlight before we move on to some of the other stuff? I mean, I think Marlon Marias is, is a guy that looking at this week, I mean, I don't want to say he's a winner yet because he's got Corey Sandhagen in front of him, but he certainly has maybe an opportunity here that we, a couple months ago, we wouldn't think he, that he would have had. You know, if he goes out there, and he gets a big win against Sandhagen. Jan still doesn't have a fight. And Jan's tweeting that he's been open to taking fights. So the UFC just hasn't penciled Sterling in, which is kind of a shame. You know, I, I, I think Aljo's getting screwed, you know, just putting Why? it out, putting it lightly. <laughs> Why? And uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, I can't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it. Clearly a guy that fans like, and, and him and Jan have had enough back and forth where it seems like a pretty clear-cut fight, but the UFC is just not on board with it yet. So, why do you, you think know, it is a tough one? Yeah, why do you think it is the UFC is so apprehensive? Because, like you said, he is an entertaining personality. He's very active and very engaging on social media. He talks to a lot of his fans. I think that's a great call on his part. He's always been proactive. I know he was looking at doing. He was doing YouTube videos and podcasts and stuff for a time being. I don't know how much he's kept up with those, but he's always been someone who wants to forward their business. And he wins. And for the most part, his fights are good, man. The, the Sulov stretch, the rear naked choke on Corey Sanhagen. Like, it's not like he wrestles and puts on boring fights. He often gets his finishes. The only thing I can think of is the fact that he's relatively outspoken and he will state publicly when he feels like the UFC isn't giving him what he is rightfully due. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite possible. Like you said, you know, he, he kind of, it's, he was a work in progress for so long. And recently he's really turned the corner. He's put on, as he's fought tougher competition, he's put on more exciting fights and been able to finish some of them. So I don't really, like I said, I, I don't understand it. Um, the, the period of time before the Sandhagen fight where, you know, some people said, oh, it should be Jan versus Sterling fighting for the vacant belt. I was one of them. At least I can see from the UFC's perspective, like Jose Aldo's a name. Mm -hmm. We can throw him in there. Um, you know, and it will be an exciting fight between two guys that, that like to stand and trade and, and are, you know, speedy and whatever. Now I have no idea. I, I don't know. You know, if what Jan says is true, I mean, you got to think that the UFC is thinking about Marias too, which is, which is pretty bad because I, I honestly don't know what else Aljamain Sterling would have to do if a 90-second submission of Corey Sandhagen is not enough. So um, who knows, man? I know Marias does have a win over, over Sterling, you know, within the last few fights, so... If the UFC goes that road, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to be on board with it. But I also wouldn't be totally shocked, uh, you know, given some of their past decisions. Yeah. Uh, I, I can imagine the entire Sterling camp is sort of praying for a Corey Sandhagen win because then it's kind of undeniable. Granted, it's been undeniable that Sterling should get the shot, but yeah, that's the UFC it's, it's sometimes for you. One hundred percent, man. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I like to play matchmaker a lot, and and. Uh, that's one that I really cannot wrap my head around. Yeah, have you ever played a WMMA five, the booking simulator? I haven't though. I've, oh. I've heard a lot about it and um, it seems like something that I would be into, but I never got around to doing it. Yeah. I, I, is that, is it still like updating stuff? Is it still? Yeah. So that... basically uh, I actually tried to get back into it recently, but it's, that's a thing too. It's like when you start covering something 
eight plus hours of the day. Sometimes you want a little bit of a disconnection. Uh, sure. But yeah, so the game came out, I'd say, a few years ago. And what'll happen is kind of like in WW2K, where guys, where fans create characters that are missing from the game. Uh, there's a there's a small dedicated community that will go every month and update all the results from all the major events around the world, contract signings. So you can download the game no matter how old it is. Uh, download a file that someone has made with all the up to date rosters and go fight. Play that's your dope. Yeah, that's that's dope, and, and it's pretty affordable too. Right? I know we sound like doing an info thirty bucks or now, something but... maybe. Yeah, that's yeah, that's time. pretty sweet. Yeah, that's maybe I'll time. check it out. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. I can always send you. Okay, there you I'll go. All right. Uh, and Fightful Pro Wrestling chimes in. I love the WMMA games. Uh, shout out to... I don't know who actually has access to that handle, but shout out to Sean or Jeremy or whoever else is running stuff over there. Okay, let's move to the sort of... I'm going to call it a draw real quick. I know, and I don't mean the preview that we're going to do at the end, but... Uh, and I didn't even put in the headliner because every week has been either Israel Adesanya or Conor McGregor, but... Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poy looks like it's about as close to happening as it could be. Conor has agreed to the fight on the condition that it happens in 2020 because when it comes to Conor and the UFC, there is always some. There's always one more condition that jumped through. Um, how likely do you think it is that we get Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier by the end of the year? That's a tough. That's a tough answer, but I will put it in terms of context, which is I think that th- that we have a better up, like a better chance of seeing this fight than we have with the McGregor fight in a while. Um, you know, usually when it comes to these sort of public, um, you know, these these public negotiating uh, tactics where one fighter comes out and says, "Hey, you know, I am going to, um, you know, I- I'm willing to fight this guy on this date." And then the UFC Dana will get out there and say something. Usually it's not that everybody's in agreement of the matchup. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I think that was very unique. It seems like, you know, UFC offered it. McGregor said he's for it. Poirier said he's for it. Just a matter of the date. So I, I think we're much more likely than some of these other, you know, back and forths we've seen with McGregor in the past where he'll come out and say, you know, oh, I'm going to fight, uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao or I'm going to, uh, you know, Justin Gaethje comes out and says that he's offered McGregor. And then it's just a back and forth. So, I think it's a it's a much more high likelihood than some of these other spats we've seen. Whether it happens, I think it's really in the UFC's hands at this point. So here's sort of a newer development that, or a newer angle on it that hasn't been discussed as much. But uh, news comes out, I think, yesterday that Florida is going to allow sixty five thousand people, something like that, into uh, the Dolphins Stadium. I don't quite remember what the name of the arena is. They say they're going to keep their upcoming games at thirteen k, but. Do you think, because for a lot of people, they were, you know, the, the people who were saying, no, this Connor Dustin fight isn't going to happen. They were saying that the UFC probably wants to push it back until 2021 to try and get, get some sort of live gate out of it, because that is where Connor McGregor is the most valuable. Do you think the chance, do you think there's any possibility that they upheave an entire card and move it from the apex to Florida by the end of the year to make this happen? I think it's quite possible. And actually, um, you know, I came out with a report earlier this week that Texas is also opening up for 50% of their uh, MMA, sh- 50% capacity of their MMA shows. So who knows what they could try to do, uh, you know, with that, especially where there's not, you know, I don't want to start jumping at like a Cowboy Stadium or something, but for a bigger stadium in Texas, you know, I'm sure that the, the, the prices for the UFC to go there might be a little bit cheaper than usual. I mean, these play, these arenas aren't having a million shows like they used mm-hmm. to. So it would be interesting. I mean, it would certainly be a compromise, I think, in the UFC's head where it's like, hey, it's not perfect, but we need to make some sort of money off of Connor, and, and this could be the opportunity to do it. Um, 
you know, Dustin fights out of Florida. So if, if they wanted to go down there, um, I'm sure that they would have, uh, regardless of, of where they fought, I'm sure people would show up for a McGregor fight. Um, people in the Southeast, it's probably their only chance to see Conor McGregor fight live locally. So I think it would be, I don't want to say smart on the UFC's part because I, I'm not a huge fan of like 65,000 people going into a stadium, but at the same time, from a business perspective, the dollars and cents say it's smart. So we'll see. I think that, I think that that could be something that could be in real consideration. Yeah. I'm trying, I, I, I'm not good enough at math to estimate, but I'm trying to think like in a 65,000 person arena, if you were to keep each bubble of people six feet apart, how many tickets you could sell. Cause I'm sure it'd still be a substantial number. Right. Like, yeah. Like I mean, how AEW that is the... doing it, right? They're kind of keeping yeah. fans at a distance and laying a limited number of them into the arena. Right. I think um, the, like some of the NFL teams are doing it too. I think Cleveland and I forget who it was. Was it Cleveland? I think it was Cleveland. I think San Francisco's done it. Um, and it's kind of weird looking on TV. I don't know exactly how they figure out, you know, maybe you buy blocks of four tickets mm-hmm. or something. I'm, I'm not really sure, but um, it seems like it's going well, except when the Cleveland Brown fans still somehow find out how to get in a fight with each other during the, the game. But um, yeah, that, that could be quite, quite a possibility as well. Right. And uh, Joseph mentions that obviously Dana wants a crowd there because uh, you can always count on the UK and the international markets for their pay-per-view buys. It's domestically where you want to try and get a gate going. Um, all right, let's move on to the losers. There's a few actually that I want to mention, but first let's talk about someone who's in a same, same, but not in opposition as Aljamain Sterling. And that's Leon Edwards. Uh, nobody wants to fight Leon Edwards. And it seems like Leon Edwards is unwilling to fight just about anyone not named Kumar Usman Gilbert Burns, uh, Jorge Masvidal, or perhaps uh, Colby Covington. Dude, Leon Edwards needs to fight someone. And it's not the same position that Aljamain Sterling is in because there are people still ahead of Leon Edwards. Uh, Aljamain Sterling is at the front of that pack. Aside from Marlon Moraes, he's beaten just about all the contenders behind him. And Leon Edwards, ranked number three, was offered a fight with fifth-ranked Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. That is a reasonable fight to get from the UFC. He does not have the leverage, the star power, the sort of high-octane, fan-friendly style that's going to give him any good graces in the UFC's books. He needs to take a fight, and Stephen Thompson is a very, very reasonable request. 100%. You know, and I've seen a trend recently, and I get it. You know, sometimes the UFC tries to give guys fights that don't make sense. Like Hamza Chimaev, as much as I like him, doesn't make sense for Edwards to fight him. It doesn't make sense mm-hmm. for Wonderboy to fight him or Kiesa or anybody. But when it comes to, um, you know, fighters seem, seem nowadays to only want to fight people above them. And the math, I mean, it just doesn't add up. Not everybody can fight somebody that's above them. So I think Leon has a lot working against him to begin with. Um, the fact that he's really trying to only pick, you know, have the UFC pick from three guys that are or four guys that are all pretty solid draws and can be matched up against each other in pretty major fights is is a little bit not a little bit it's a lot of bit unrealistic for say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Leon. And like you said, Wonder Boy's right there. It's not like there's somebody that's not, you know, Wonder Boy's got his following. It's, it would be a fight that would definitely headline a, a fight night or be a good supporting act on a pay-per-view. Agreed. So it seems like such a no-brainer, especially where he's been inactive for so long. Recency bias is huge in the sport. So I don't, you know, say he's, what, like, is he sitting out to, to try to get a title fight? Like, UFC's not going to come around, you know, whenever Burns and Usman finally fight and then they have to take time off. They're not going to come to Edwards and be like, hey, man, you haven't fought for two years. And, you know, there's all these other guys that, that do sell the tickets, put the buttons. If there were butts in the seats, they would do a better job than you. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're not, you know, we're not going to give it to you. So I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see what he does, but he's got to make a move. I, I don't think sitting around and waiting is going to do much for his career. No, I, and I, this is one of those things, and I don't want to speak ill on him or the people who are sort of in his ear, but. These are I, I find there's this issue with a lot of UFC fighters where they try and copy and paste what's worked for other fighters. And the reality is each situation is different and there's nuance and there's sort of wiggle room in those situations. He cannot afford to do what other fighters like this is the thing about let's take Aljamain Sterling because we brought him as an example. He has constantly been vocal about what he deserves, but that has not stopped him from taking fights. Right, because if the UFC is not going to give it to you and people aren't going to fight you, you're not doing yourself, like you said, you're not doing yourself any favors by sitting back. And one thing I think that he should maybe be more considerate of, and maybe he has, it's just not publicized, is what card they put him on. Because let's say Gilbert Burns versus Kamar Usman was on for UFC 256. You like to play matchmaker. Put Wonder Boy versus Leon on that main card, and you have not just a chance to showcase yourself on a big pay per view, but like you said, recency bias. If you are a top contender and you beat and you win on the same card as a title fight in your division, people are just going to pair you two off. It's just going to happen. You're going to be seen in a new spotlight. So Leon Edwards, fight, dude. I, I, I want the best for you. He deserves it. He's on a great streak. And the other thing is, too, he's used examples like, oh, well, Steven Wonderboy lost Anthony Pettis, this, this, and that. I don't think Leon Edwards' resume has aged supremely well. Like, at the time that he beat Rafael Dos Anjos, Big deal. But you know what? Basically, everyone else above him has also beat Rafael Dos Anjos at this point. And people beneath him, Michael Chiesa, has beat Rafael Dos Anjos at this point. Donald Cerrone, you know, again, recency bias. Maybe the cowboy that he fought was uh, worthy of some sort of big follow-up. But Cowboy's not the same guy he was a few years ago, right? So it's just like, Leon is making a bunch of cases that don't quite add up when you look at it in the bigger scope of the division. Yeah, 100%. You know, it's... uh again like i said i don't think he's doing himself much favors because he's already a guy that and he has received unfair criticism but now i think it's turning a yes. corner where he's he's receiving fair criticism you know he's he's got to fight we've seen guys that are a lot more popular and more deserving of, of a major title fight or a major number one contender fight take other fights so uh you know just if using his street smarts you would think that he would he would understand that and and uh, you know, know that he has to step in there at least one more time before he he fights for a title. All right. Um, do you have any losers you wanted to highlight? So I have. Well, I, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, I think it was 
um, Wednesday or Tuesday when Tony Ferguson came out with that interview with Ariel. Um, you know, I, I wrote up a story on MMA Junkie from that. And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, you know, Tony went from being in the co-main event of Habib versus Gaethje, UFC 254. And now he's supremely look on the outside looking in. I mean, he's got, he's essentially the odd man out in that division, which is funny because, you know, eight months ago or whatever, he was the number one contender, but now you got Habib and Gaethje fighting. You got Michael Chandler as the backup fighter. You got Poirier about to potentially cash in on a McGregor opportunity. So where does that leave Tony? So I don't want to, you know, bash him too hard here, but at the same time, I, I think that the way he maneuvered throughout this and, or just the way that, that things played out, certainly um, he's in an odd spot right now. So I, I think that this has been uh, a week that's kind of pushed him to the outside, so to speak. Yeah. And I, oftentimes like nine times out of 10, the exception basically being Leon Edwards right now, I have no gripes with fighters speaking out against the UFC. Um, you know, it, it's clear the deck is stacked against fighters. So I support them anytime they want to use what voice they have. I think Tony and Luke Thomas mentioned this on morning combat earlier today. I think Tony Ferguson's displeasure with Dustin Poirier is a little misplaced because Dustin Poirier did go, they, they did go to bat for one another when they were initially trying to get uh, paid what they believed they were due at UFC 254. But you can't expect Dustin Poirier to turn down a fight with Conor McGregor, even if he's not getting a pay bonus. It's going to pay dividends in more ways than one. If it ends up headlining a card, probably pay-per-view numbers. The benefits of being on that card are huge. And most importantly, and this is a huge win if it goes through, and I'm sure it will at this point, Conor McGregor says he's going to donate $500,000 to Dustin Poirier's Good Fight Foundation. That You know, you can't expect him yeah. to turn down any of that. That's all awesome, awesome stuff. Um, yeah, no doubt. You know, and it's, it's, it would be one thing if, if Poirier versus Ferguson was the fight that they were continuing to look at and then somehow Poirier did something, you know, where um, he didn't look out for, he didn't negotiate with the UFC in a way that Tony would get, you know, f- his fair share, whatever it was. But for something like this, like you said, I mean, $500,000 to your charity alone, never mind a biggest fight of your career, most eyes, a fight that, it, that you lost and were somewhat, you know, changed that he's talked about it openly, that that changed the trajectory of his career, that that was the toughest loss that he's ever had being in the spotlight and kind of humiliated by McGregor the first time. So there, there's, you know, a million reasons to take that fight. And for kind of an unofficial handshake to be the reason that you're mad at somebody for, for changing their lives and the lives of others is a little much. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't blame, I don't blame Dustin. And I think it's just, uh, it sucks for Tony, but it's kind of the business, you know, the business. Uh, let's go to Joseph real quick in the chat. He says, speaking of RDA, it came out that he had to back out of his fight with Islam Makhachev at UFC 254. He tested positive for the thing I will not mention out of fear of demonetization or algorithm BS. Uh, does Michael Chandler take the fight or wait to see what happens with Habib and Justin? Well, you know, Islam called out Michael Chandler. What do you think are the chances Chandler takes that fight? I, I think it's got to be low. If he's smart, that would not be the fight that if the UFC is smart, that's not the fight that I would give him. That's I mean, Makachev is a high risk, low reward fight for Chandler. If he comes in and fights Makachev and he wins, I mean, he's pretty much already at the top of the division um, in the UFC's eyes being the backup fighter. So doesn't really do much for him there. If he comes in and loses, I mean, if you're going to have Chandler losing his debut, do you really want it to be Islam Akachev mm-hmm. that's, that's the guy that beats him? Wouldn't you rather have it be somebody that's, a, you know, a Dustin Poirier or a Ferguson or, or somebody that 
Chandler's stock doesn't drop that much if he does lose. Even if he, you know, gets knocked out in a minute, you'd be, okay, well, he lost to a really, you know, a guy that's in the top three. So, yeah, I really hope that the UFC and Chandler are smart enough not to make that move. Um, maybe a guy like Charles Oliveira would be, if he was willing to step in to fight Makachev, I think that would be an interesting fight. But, yeah, if, if I'm Mike, I'm just, you know, backup fighter. We'll go with that whole thing, get my name in the headlines, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take it from there. I think what you said was key there that uh, forget Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler has expressed that he's a company guy as soon as he gets to the UFC. I think if the UFC asked, he would take it. Uh, but I don't think he's going to go out there requesting it. And I think it'd be smart for the UFC not to do it. If for no other reason than just logistically, like I don't think you want a main card fight where you already have one of the fighters potentially out to fill in for a main event, right? Because then you lose the fight entirely. If Habib or Tony falls out, you already know Chandler's not going to fight Islam. I think you just find someone else for Islam to fight or reschedule it. Uh, you know, those COVID-19 cases. Oh, there I go. I said it. Uh, Uh those cases, um, we've already seen guys turn around rather quickly from them, you know, two weeks. So you could always just push it back a little bit. I don't think that let's be honest, Islam, great chance for him to shine. And obviously I'm sure he's got a Habib esque following outside of North America and Europe, but I would say for the more, you know, for the North American audience, Rafael dos Anjos is sort of the A side of that equation. I don't think you lose a whole lot by moving him down. The main card's already pretty stacked. So you could just reschedule it. Because I think Rafael dos Anjos was the perfect caliber of guy for Islam. A big name, a former champ you could build Islam off of, but someone who is, you know, on, on the down, whatever you want to call it, like the down flow of their career. Um is MMA shorts. I think this guy's name is Shaquille also. So shout out to him from South Africa. Uh, Islam shouldn't fight Michael Chandler. There's a huge fight knowledge. There's a huge fight knowledge advantage for Chandler. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think it's a good booking irregardless. Now, let's quickly move on to last one on the downs. This is my... These two are losers. I'm a loser. You're a loser. Everyone who has to witness it is a loser. Israel Adesanya and John Jones need to quit it with this social media banter. It was kind of cute when it begun, but man, is it childish. And, you know, all the credit in the world to Izzy because he showed in that Paulo Costa build up and fight that he is not going to be affected in the cage based on whatever goes on ahead of time. And we know this is sort of John Jones's MO right now. But Izzy, like, why are you... Why are you engaging in this to begin with? Like, he's he's such a smart guy. He's got, not to say that John Jones isn't, but we've seen Jones do this a lot in his career. It's ever since the Rashad Evans fight. Had it with Daniel Cormier. It's con- it's a constant thing for him. But is he... It just, this just seems like the sort of thing Izzy wouldn't want to waste his time on. And I don't know why both of them are engaging so hard. Yeah, a little bit of it goes a long way, you know. And I think it, it didn't take long for us to get stale. It, it didn't take long for us to get to, to think that this trash talk is stale. I mean, it's one thing if you have a back and forth, people get interested in the fight. They're like, oh, you know, the middleweight champ and the greatest light heavyweight of all time, one of the greatest fighters of all time, they're going back and forth. Wouldn't that be a great fight? But then when you see it so much, it's like almost hard to keep up with to the point that you're not interested. And I think Conor McGregor's always done a good mm-hmm. job of not doing that. Like he'll have an exchange with somebody and then you won't hear from him for, for three weeks. He's been a little more vocal recently, but it used to be like, oh, like McGregor went at somebody. And then even he went for a long period of time where all of a sudden it was like, you know, oh, he's tweeting again about something, you know, he's tweeting he's, and it just got old. So you got to know, you know, to, to make it quality, not quantity. And, and I think that when you get in, you know, 
15 to 30 tweet exchanges every day for like seven days. You know, my whole timeline last night, essentially, uh, when I was scrolling through Twitter at night was these two going back and forth. And like, to be honest with you, I read some of them and I just kind of got bored with it and moved on. So it's a fight that sells itself. A little bit goes a long way. I'm sure the press conference will be interesting and everything, but I don't know, man, it's just, you don't want, you don't want to, you don't want to turn people off in, 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 uh, when you have a great thing going, you know? Shout out to Dean Thomas for trying to play peacekeeper on social media. And yeah, it's gone to the (laughs) point where it's like, I don't even want to assign these to my staff anymore. Mm. I do because, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for clickbait, but it like, it's, it it serves, it doesn't further the storyline. It's just kind of garbage at this point. And I think it's hurting them more than it's helping them. There was, there was one when this first, uh, not when it first started, but more recently when this thing kind of picked back up again, I mean, we wrote one story on the exchange and then, you know, by the time whoever was writing it wrote it, there was already mm-hmm. 10 more. So we just essentially posted a story and just kept, you know, uploading, yeah, updating yeah. it with the new tweets. But, you know, it, like you said, we didn't, I don't think we did anything on last night's thing. I think we might have, you know, added a footnote into to Mike Bond's Adesanya interview, which is what started this whole thing. Um, Mike yeah, Bond, man, it's, man. It's cause of yeah. trouble out there. You Canadians, man. It's <laughs> those Canadians. It's, yeah. It amazes me how many of us there are in this MMA industry. I don't know what's going Big on. Time. Big time. You know, I think people underestimate it. They underestimate uh, the, the fandom up there. They underestimate the media power. The, we're starting to see that the UFC finally um, delve back into Canadian talent. There was a while there where there were some good Canadian up-and-comers that were just, mm-hmm. you know, racking up wins and not getting the UFC. So, um, yeah, maybe a George St. Pierre uh, return will will spike it even more. Let's do it. Ha- shout out to Hakim Dewadu. Huge win. Yes, last sir. Okay, let's briefly move on. Uh, we got about nine minutes max here. Let's briefly move on to the UFC Fight Island 5 preview. We actually handled the majority of it because my top question there was, uh, what happens if Marlon Moraes wins this fight? Okay, yes or no? And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not holding you to this. I cannot speak for anyone who decides to clip this. If Marlon Moraes wins... I, UFC Fight Island 5, does he get the title shot over Aljamain Sterling? No. I think the UFC is going to do the right thing. <laughs> what makes you so sure? <laughs> I think the MMA, the MMA gods have punished us so much throughout the years yeah. <laughs> that this is going to be where they finally come around and do the right thing. Okay. Um, I just, I, I don't see, I can't, again, maybe this is just me being naive and getting played over and over again, but I cannot foresee a... Dana White, I can't even fathom what his excuse would be when he stands up there, sits up there, and somebody says, you know, why are you leapfrogging Aljamain Sterling again? I don't, there's, there's no, not even a fathomable explanation other than, you know, Marlon Marais did well, and he had a win like two years, three years ago over him. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping and praying maybe more than anything that, that Aljos gets the next shot. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully the gods answer my prayers. Caleb chimed in on the live chat and said yes. So I think he thinks that they're going to screw Aljo over. Dana White has gotten better over the years of dodging questions. Like more and more, I get no information out of these press conferences. Except shout out to Oscar Willis. He does a really great job. Oscar Willis of the Mac yeah. Life. Every press conference, I'm texting him like, dude, you just got me three new stories out of that. He does a really good job with his questions. Um, he's he's really great with phrasing too. You know, he knows how to kind of make it personal with Dana where. Dane is not going to uh, snap at him. So shout out to Oscar. He's a good guy. Get to hung, hang out with him when he was out here in Boston. Yeah, cool dude. Um, great work. Um, yeah. I remember asking Dana at UFC 241, um, you know, because ho- prior to Nate Diaz calling out Jorge, Nate and Jorge, um, sorry, Jorge had told the press that he, there's something really big in the works. And then 
when they call when Nate called him out, like they had a camera ready on Jorge. And I asked Dana, I'm like, was this at all in the plans? He's like, no, I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know who's the best though? Nobody, you know, now that I'm I'm working on all the Bellator shows in Connecticut, Scott Coker is the best at um giving you an answer that you don't even realize he didn't answer your question. He'll give you a big loop and uh it takes a certain it takes a certain amount of skill that I don't have to do that type of thing. Agreed. And like Me you too. said, I think Dana Me Dana too. used to be brutally honest and and now he's kind of he he's he's good at deflecting. So yeah. okay. try to hold him. Yeah, hold him accountable. <laughs> Last thing on yeah. UFC Fight Island five. Outside of the main event, who is sort of the you know under the radar is a term that's used a lot these days. But who is the guy that most fans should be looking at? You know, I think um, one of the guys I'm interested to see that's actually again Canadian is KB Bowler. Um, he had a very interesting media scrum. He's kind of an interesting guy. So uh, if he can if he can finally um, you know make his dent in the UFC, I know he's been right there for a while. Was supposed to be on Contender Series and now he's taking mm-hmm. the jump. He's a guy that, that I think will appeal to a lot of fans. I think he's got a cool personality and uh, definitely no easy task in Tom Breeze, who's, again, another guy I'm interested to see. We don't see – I feel like we don't see him fight really that much. We see him pull out of fights more. So um, I'm interested, man. That, that, will be a, that will be a good matchup, I think. All right. I'm going to give a shout-out to Yusuf Zalal. He'll be fighting for his fourth time in 2020. His first four UFC fights all in the calendar year. Um, and who knows? If he makes it four in a row, he might be able to squeeze in a fifth fight in. Less than 11 months, I think it is. That's just insanity. Good talker from Morocco. Very nice guy. I now know what I'm getting myself into, and I got some Moroccan food later this weekend, so shout out to Youssef. Um, There you go. They've all gone to decision thus far, but he's got some killer striking. So I'm. It's kind of like a Hakeem Dawadu situation. I know Hakeem had, I think, shoulder injuries that were sort of preventing him from really unloading on people, but I am waiting to see what the small adjustment is where Youssef goes from that great striker that takes you to a decision to that great striker that finishes you inside 10 minutes. Yeah. And I think his opponent this week, uh, Taporia, people probably just see him as another, you know, Oh, it's a guy that's debuting and Salal, you know, as an up and comer. And those are the type of matchups you give somebody like that from time to time. But Mm -hmm. uh, I think people should not underestimate what a win over Taporia means. I I think he's a a really good fighter. I've watched some tape on him and um, yeah, that's a great pick. Sorry for that random beep. Uh, MMA Shorts really quickly says, do you know how to pronounce the name of the guy who's fighting Marcus Perez? Um, Duricus du... Yeah, Duplacis, Duplacis or something. Yeah, I don't want to pretend that I know. Yeah, well, I ruined it, but I apologize for yeah. that. Anywho, uh, MMA Shorts says he has an incredible ground game and very interesting striking. Let's see how he does on this short notice debut against Marcus Perez. Last thing before I let you go, Mr. King. I do this with all of my guests. It's a gift to those who have stuck through till the end or skipped to the end. I'm going to flip a coin. Loser has to tell an embarrassing story, preferably related to the industry. doesn't have to be. So okay. I'll give you a second to think, um, and then you can give me heads or tails. Sure. You, can, you get um, to call it. I'm, I'm one for two on these so far. Okay. Okay. Heads or tails? Yep. Heads. Ooh, it's tails. Safe for another week. All right. What? Okay. <laughs> what? No, no. I'm good. I'm safe for another week. What do you want? Yeah, yeah. What do you want to share? So I don't know how embarrassing this is, but you know, I'm trying to think. Ones. My, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really. Um. You know, I I remember uh, there was one event that I went down to. I covered it kind of on my whim. It was um. John Gotti was fighting down in Connecticut, in Rhode Island, and I was like, oh, this is like you know an hour away from me. I can. He always does well for us on the site. So 
you know, I went and uh, went down there to, to cover him for, for MMA junkie, you get a couple of videos and like, you know, I'm, I'm texting my bosses and I'm like, Oh, like, you know, this is the, uh, the first time I'm kind of doing coverage for them by myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always had a partner that does it. And, you know, I have my iPhone set up. It's nothing fancy. Right. And, you know, I'm, I got a new microphone and I'm figuring out how to work that and everything. And like, you know, I think it was uh, William Knight was also fighting and development deal. So I was like, Oh, I'll grab him. So I went through this big thing, set up backdrop, lighting, everything and go through it. And I never pressed play on the camera. So wow, that sure. was for me, like one of those things that I was like, damn, like there's a lot that we have to think about while we do this stuff. And I didn't even do the one simple thing that I knew how to do before this was press play. So did you, did, I know that's, did you tell him they was one of those things you're like, Hey man, I'm so sorry. I bought shot. Or you just not say anything and hope they never no. realize. I didn't say anything to anybody. Um, right yeah. Call. So sorry, William. <laughs> that happens, man. I'm sure you'll make yeah. it up to him at some point. Nolan, sure. thank you so much uh, for joining us. I don't know if there's any, we got your, we got your handle here on the screen. I don't know if there's anything you wanted to add. No, just, uh, you know, Twitter. Uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. First and foremost, um, you guys can follow me on the, the, uh, the Twitter handle that's below at Nolan King MMA on Instagram as well. I'm trying to do more with that. So yeah, pretty much that's it. And just check out MMA junkie for, uh, if you want to see my stuff, but like, still go to fightful mma but still go to fightful. <laughs> okay. all right nolan thank you so much for doing this my man uh everyone joseph mma shorts caleb uh sean ross Sapp chimed in briefly scott everyone else who tuned in thank you guys so much for engaging it really makes us worth the effort and big shout out to the uh audio only listeners because i didn't realize what a dedicated fan base fightful had on the audio end and i was blown away with our download numbers like the youtube live streams are so much fun i love doing them they are a fraction of what we get from podcasts so thank you guys i don't give you guys enough credit thank you guys for listening to this downloading it every week um you can follow me on twitter at fight Shack fight leave my instagram alone that is for puppy photos and raves <laughs> um and yeah check out fightful if you guys want to help us out subscribe there's the animation most importantly, take care, stay safe, and y'all got to help me come up with a better catchphrase than keep up with Fightful. I even messed it up, man. I'm just going to leave it be. Peace out, fans. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.